0: Welcome friends, people for peace, pods of consciousness, planetary citizens, wherever you happen to be today, listening to global news and social artistry here on KOPN. I'm Dick Dalton, your host, and each week we have the pleasure of talking to someone who is building a more humane world from the inside out. And today, I get to reconnect with uh, an old student of mine, Raymond Thomas, Dr. Raymond Thomas. Hey, uh, Dr. Thomas, good to call you that.
1: Awesome. Great to meet you again after all these years,
0: Dr. Yes. Dalton. <laughs> you are a professor up at uh, Memorial University in Newfoundland.
1: Yeah, it's a Newfoundland, you know, Newfoundland dependent and you know who you talk to uh-huh
2: uh-huh
1: yeah, yeah. Both, both pronunciations are various
2: they would
1: say
0: <laughs> <is>. <laughs> but yeah
1: they, uh, both both is okay
0: so we go back to 1997 was
1: it yeah i came to uh lincoln university in 1997 and i uh I spent two years at a I was a transfer student so I had an associate degree so I spent two years 1997 1998 to complete my BS oh. Bachelor of Science um
0: now you had transferred from uh Jamaica College uh, of Agriculture right
1: yeah yes yeah. so from the College of Agriculture in, in Jamaica and and uh, to Lincoln University to complete a, a BSc in agriculture and that's That's where I bet you took several. I think I took four courses with you during
0: that two years. (laughs) Which you you didn't have to do. You you only were required to take one. And I I guess we developed a relationship there. Yeah.
1: I think there was two. I think there was two that was mandatory. And then I had two electives that I could have uh, taken. So um, the other two were electives that I took with you.
0: Yeah. Were you in, uh, besides being in, agriculture as a major, were you in any extracurricular activities?
1: Yes, I I did play um, intercollegiate soccer for the university for the two years that I was there. Um, So I was, I was an athlete, as well as uh, um, academic, I was also doing undergrad research, Uh taking between 15 and 18 credits per semester.
0: Oh wow! Yeah, yeah,
1: no, part of the reason I was able to finish in two years, I took overload every semester since I got there. Oh,
0: uh, what what's your secret? I mean, <laughs> uh, first of all, you knew back home in Jamaica that you wanted to go into agriculture. What was your what was your draw?
1: Uh, I think agriculture drew me. Uh, um, it started out. I, I came from rural Jamaica mm-hmm. and, you know, my father is a farmer, you know, I, where I live is pastoral and agricultural. And um, I went to uh, the Technical High School, which is one of the um, really technical high schools in Jamaica for a strong agriculture program and focus, but I didn't want to do agriculture. When I went there, you know, yeah. I wanted to do engineering. Hmm. Um, But I was woeful at technical drawing. I just Mm -hmm. could not draw. I was so bad at it. But um, engineering and agriculture, you get to do all the sciences. In first year, you do like 12 courses. And um, then you specialize in second year um, at this um, high school. So my um, form teacher told me that I should take agriculture as uh, my first choice of uh, of, um, specialization. And if I didn't get into agriculture, then I could get my second choice of um, engineering and they would find me a tutor. But I think Jerry knew that I was going to get in agriculture. There was no um, issue. Got into agriculture and I just stayed in agriculture. Mm-hmm. And and I just started doing very, very well in agriculture when I did CXC, which is um, the O-level equivalent in the um, British system. I, I, um, I was a top student in Jamaica. I, I got, I was the only student in Jamaica that got a hey for a double award in agriculture, you know? So, um, and that's how we got a college a scholarship to go to the College of Agriculture. And that's huh. just how it started, agriculture. Yeah. Called me and that's how I started in agriculture.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. And by the time we got you, you uh, were well, um, you had a good foundation.
1: Yes, I uh, was by the time I was in stride.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, did we have hydroponics uh, going at uh, our school at Lincoln at that time? I knew we did later. I didn't know if we had it back then.
1: Yeah, in the greenhouse there was some hydroponics set up and I um, I, 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 didn't, uh, like when the courses, some of the courses I took, you know, the science courses, you know, it was there. But um, in terms of the research side of things that I was working at, um, I didn't work on the hydroponic side. I, most of the stuff I was doing was on the soil science side, um, and I worked for my entire undergrad um, in the greenhouse.
2: Oh, um, okay.
1: Yes, yeah, so I was working 20 hours in the greenhouse mm-hmm. um, on different research project. Plus, I had um, Hunter's thesis project that I was doing. Uh, so I spent a lot of time um, in the greenhouse on a research farm yeah. um, <clears throat> that uh, Lincoln had. Mm-hmm. And and also at the University of Missouri, uh, we had these long-term um, research plots there. And we mm-hmm. also, part of the um, work that I was doing with Dr. Friede Wiese, did some work there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yes. And, and Dr. Lurleen Marsh.
0: Yes, Lurleen Marsh, of course. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, she was, uh, let's see. Well, I'm not going to remember her very well, so I, I won't go there. <laughs>
1: yeah, she, was, she was the she was the chair of plant science department.
2: Uh
0: huh.
1: Um, yeah, when when I was there, and um, so we did. In fact, my um, my directed studies courses were with her, and mm-hmm. actually presented a paper at um, conference in San Antonio.
0: Oh, good. And, Great. Yeah,
1: under her leadership. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Great. You have got a bell ringing. I, is that okay? Oh, uh, it's, it's,
1: it's, I should turn my phone off. Yes, <laughs> it's, I get a, yeah, I get a hundred emails.
0: <laughs> thank you. Uh, so you graduated in uh, '99. Uh, went straight to graduate work, right?
1: Yeah, so I graduated with honors in um, in nineteen uh, uh, December. Nineteen ninety. No, it's December nineteen
2: ninety-eight,
1: and then Mm -hmm. yeah, and then um, then the summer of nineteen ninety-nine, I started masters at University of Minnesota. In fact, I wasn't planning on going to grad school. but I Actually, got a job with Cargill, and um, yeah, they 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 had this job fair on campus, and I went. Mm -hmm. I was planning going to work, and then. Dr. Um, Enson saw me one day walking to the greenhouse, and he picked me up. He was president at the University the yeah. Time. All right. He's like, "No, you have a newly minted degree. What? Are, what's your plan?" Mm-hmm. And um, I said, "Oh, I got a job." And he's like, "Oh, you should go to grad school. You know." Mm-hmm. And he's um, like, "Have you talked to um, Dr. Marsh?" Um, about possible going to grad school. I said, Well, I didn't really. <laughs> and so then um, I don't know if they talked or what happened or if he was just serendipity. But that same afternoon, within probably less than 20 minutes after he dropped me off, I got a call from Dr. Marsh, asked me if I, you know, I ran to Marsh, asked me if I had applied for grad school. Uh-huh. And I said, No. And he's like, Well, you should come to my office and talk to you. So I went to his office. Then he um instructed me that I should apply to um, grad school mm-hmm. and um and I told him that I got a job and he's like, Yeah, the job is always gonna be there, but I think you should go to grad school. You're too talented <laughs> not to apply. So he let me promise him that if I got accepted that I'd go. Oh. So yeah, so I I, you know, I shake his hand, but I was thinking, yeah, I'm not gonna get accepted. You know, we have less than a month to get things done I didn't think it was going to happen that mm. fast so, but anyway um, I had to take GRE so I signed up for the GRE and and I applied uh, to um, <clears throat> to grad school and did the GRE and within within um, two weeks of my GRE score went in I got a call from University of Minnesota um, from Dr. Albert Markhart, that he's interested in me as a, mm-hmm. as a, as a student, mm-hmm. and um, if I would be interested in working with him, and I looked at his stuff, his physiology, what I want to do, and the rest was history. I got accepted <laughs> in a fellowship at University of Minnesota, and that's how I started in the summer of um, 1999 in a Master's in archeology at the University of Minnesota. Yeah.
0: Did you uh, and Dr. Chowdhury have any interactions at Lincoln?
1: Yeah, uh, I think I took one course with him. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: so uh, Dr. Chowdhury had uh, built a strong relationship between Lincoln and the University of Minnesota. okay. And so there there was a real good back and forth with uh, uh, research and other things that were being done. So. It, it it felt kind of a natural for that school to want to <laughs> work with you from Lincoln because of uh, that relationship.
1: Yeah, I think it came through Dr. Marsh uh, because he um, he did his PhD at University of Minnesota, mm-hmm. and it was you know a very strong program, and he was you know encouraging that you know, if you want to do agriculture, that's a good program. So I think that's where my Minnesota link came more mm-hmm. more so. Was was through that connection.
0: Yeah, they were good uh, uh, colleagues, uh, Chaudhry yeah. and uh, and Dalrymple. So, yeah. So, yeah. Well, super. Uh, we're actually uh, slowly getting to when you became famous in 2010. But <laughs> I I I like to kind of build the journey as we go because uh, uh, you 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 hit the big time with the the news media and all. But we're gonna you know, tease the audience and say, just hang on a little bit. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. So what was your research up at Minnesota?
1: Yeah. So we in Minnesota was working on hydroponics. So looking at root root ratio, um, we could, you know, cultivate crops in hydroponic systems so that they have smaller roots because they tend to produce these really large mass of roots and, um, you know, partition more of it into um, leaf. So I look at ethylene inhibitors and also um, different types of systems to, you know, um, reduce the root shoot, uh, ratio. So that's that's what I did for my masters.
0: And how is that going in the world? Is hydroponics uh, caught on in a big way, or is it still kind of a fledgling? Uh...
1: Uh, hydroponics is 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 a you know is a big um, part of the control environment production system across the globe you know there's various different versions of it um you know you know vertical farming and hydroponics which are different you know um, versions of these systems but in terms of control environment um agriculture production hydroponics is is, is a huge part of that production system
0: oh wow yeah uh, I- Uh, who does that is there a company that we would have heard of that uh
1: well like a lot of
0: the big greenhouse
1: producers have some form of hydroponic system that they use you know or you know some use drip based systems some use continuous flow they you know they have various different systems that they use for particularly vegetable production Mm -hmm. but it's it's still you know it's still a a major part of the um food uh food supply food production Mm -hmm. system uh, um across the globe actually
0: yeah that's good to know uh, mm-hmm. although we have a water shortage somehow somewhere everywhere uh that water is uh needed for growing food that way and actually yes. i guess probably uses less water in some ways
1: well you can cycle. you can there's they have continuous flow systems that you can cycle water through. they have these systems mm-hmm. now where they you know they have um uh, it's like a culture based system that you know, you grow produce fish at you know in at, in one part of the production system, right? Right. And then that same water is then recycled and used back for crop production. So they have multiple different types of um, production systems that are available that you know kind of help to um, conserve resources. Yeah. You know, in terms of the, you know, dependent on where you are and the, the 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 challenges that's there.
0: Right. Great. So you went from Minnesota to, was Newfoundland your next, uh, for your doctorate? Where'd you get your doctorate?
1: Doctorate was at
0: University of um, Western Ontario in Canada, so Mm -hmm. a PhD
1: in biology. You know, um, here, you know, again, plant biology, didn't completely separate it from the agriculture side, but now um, got a little bit more into the biology um, (coughs) side of things. Uh, but still, plant biochemistry, biophysiology. Um, then here I was. We work- start working on soybean. So oh. working um, right after soja, it's a big uh, disease in soybean anywhere in the world. You produce soybean during the uh, spring months. Um, these uh, it's a my seeds are a type of fungi. Hmm. They. Infect the roots and stem of the plants and just uh, wipe them out. And so it's almost uh, like right now, it's almost, it costs over a billion dollars in US dollars in crop loss Hmm. um, globally uh, per annum. And in Canada, it's over 200 million dollars in crop loss. It's a big, big disease. So I was looking at, um, you know, tolerance. So these are these or durable type of resistance using the plant natural defense system uh, to, um, you know, produce cultivars of soybean that would be naturally resistant to this, to this um, pathogen. So that's what I worked on for my um, PhD focusing on submarine, which is a macro polymer producing the uh, um, roots of plants as a natural
0: part of a plant defense response. Mm-hmm. in the time since then has that problem been more uh, solved
1: uh that's a good question there's several different approach looking at it um so a lot of genetic lots of reading and selections has been done um uh, a, a lot of um progress on gene for gene resistance have been you know achieved but the, the issue is is that you know with gene for gene resistance over time the pathogen evolve and once it evolve then that resistant gene is no longer um you know successful against the pathogen so Mm -hmm. then you know you'll have a cultivar that was um good for five ten years and then now it's no longer um resistance is susceptible so we're looking at quantitative traits now um and so there are some some um some varieties with qtls that are uh, you know, providing more uh, long-term resistance. So there's some there, but it's still, um, we haven't eradicated it. We haven't really gotten on top of it yet. So mm-hmm. it's, still, it's still a mm-hmm. challenge that is, mm-hmm. you know, actively worked on. In fact, I still have a PhD student who just um, finished his PhD working on, you know, hoxylipins as a oh. novice source of, of, of
0: tolerance to this mm-hmm. pathogen.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Or a chemical source, yeah. So you're still uh, you still have your fingers sort of in that research, in a way.
1: Yeah. Yes, I'm still. You know, I'm still. You know, I a little bit more into the lipidomics side. So focusing on a membrane and lipid mediated response. Um, so I'm still. You know, I shift a little bit from what I did for PhD, but I'm still uh, actively pursuing it as an angle. Of uh, well, it's one of my four research programs that I am currently doing.
0: Well, you you mentioned a magic word just now, lipid, and uh, we're going to spend some time on lipids as soon as I uh, reintroduce you (laughs) to our audience here. Friends listening uh, today to Glocal News and Social Artistry, I'm your host, Dick Dalton, and my guest today is uh, Dr. Raymond Thomas, uh, professor up at Memorial University in Newfoundland, and... Uh, working in ag ag science, biology, plant uh, biology, uh, membranes, uh, lipids, and antioxidants. Uh, We're going to get to that one, too. So uh, we're glad you're with us today on KOPN, your community radio station out of Columbia, Missouri, uh, soon to celebrate our 50th birthday. Uh, It was uh, 1973 when we first went on the air uh, here in our studio on downtown Columbia. And before we celebrate our birthday, we're going to be in a new facility out on the west side of Columbia, uh, accessible to all, um, both uh, getting in the doors and out and in the bathrooms and all the everything about it. So it's, it's a wonderful uh, dream come true. We had wanted this forever. Uh, and now it's happening. So we appreciate your support for KOPN, both in our daily operations and uh, in the uh, uh, capital campaign to help pay off that new building. So anything you can do to help us, we uh, are greatly appreciative of. Uh, So let's get back to my guest, uh, Dr. Raymond Thomas. And uh, Raymond, you just mentioned lipids, and it seems like uh, we call them fats but uh li- lipids uh that's a very interesting nutrient so tell us about lipids and what your interest is
1: yeah so, so um i'm a true and true lipid biochemist analytical chemist so one year specialization and um, that i have in this world uh that i'm known for in the scientific community is my work in you know about lipid analysis and lipid biochemistry so i apply it to you know several different uh, domains so i applied you know lipidomics because lipids is present in the membrane of every living organism so how you survive how you respond is a function of the um composition of that membrane which is which is the lipids mm-hmm. so if a, if a plant is stressed. If you are, you know, your mood, your behavior is a function of how your brain, you know, lipids are. Um, So so it's really, really important in every phase of existence. So my area of specialization or interest is applications of, you know, um, lipid metabolism to study uh, plant response to um, environmental stress. Uh, I also start, use it um, in the development on production of functional foods. I use it in um, assessing um, brain health or neuro, neurobiology and um, lipid metabolism and plant immunity. So those are the four areas. So I go from, as you can see, <laughs> from the field to the lab, food production to health. So mm-hmm. I cut the whole dimension right the whole spectrum from food production all the way to the health domain are determinants of health in terms of applying lipidomics or lipids Mm -hmm. Um, so i've interest in lipids both from a response um to a stressor as a dietary nutrient as a response to um, treatment um to assess or validate health benefits so Mm -hmm. so i do quite a bit with lipids
0: yes so uh, where would you like to uh teach us uh as we uh, us novices uh where's the best place to invest some of your expertise in our um learning about
1: yeah so so i go back to my early days when i was in your class and you were talking about you know the permanence of health and you know good things to do to um, have a healthy lifestyle so um, if I apply back to, um, you know, go right back to my days at Lincoln with you is looking at lipids as, 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 you know, um, useful dietary, uh, are important dietary, um, factors. So mm-hmm. take, for example, um, omega-3s, you've heard the term omega-3s and omega 6 yes. These are essential fats. So your body cannot make them. So you have to get them from a dietary source. So I, I have interest in producing crops um, that are enhanced with these um, mm. lipids, so that you have um, you know, improved access, particularly omega-3s. Mm-hmm. Because in the Western diet, your 6 tends to be very high. So your ratio tends to be you know, higher for um, 6 than, than 3. So I try to get more 3s in the diet. Mm. So, so really important in terms of essential functions. Um, in terms of brain health, the phospholipids, the plasmologens, like for example, in 2016, um, you know, a big study came out at a reduction in plasmologens. So these are these type of phospholipids in your membrane, brain membrane, and 60% of your brain on a dry weight basis is lipids. Oh, wow. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you have a reduction in um, plasmologens, you have um, an enhanced risk factor for having Alzheimer's. Um,
2: mm-hmm. yeah.
1: So, so, um, so again, I look for uh, improved sources mm-hmm. of of um, of these types of lipids and how we can incorporate them into diet, develop functional foods. So these are foods that have validated health benefits beyond basic nutrition, so that you have increased intake and reduce risk factors for these, um, you know,
0: debilitating diseases. So functional foods that's another label we want to hang on to here so in the case of let's say omega three fatty acids uh, my doc says well take these uh fish oil pills yeah (laughs) well but you're talking about functional foods that i would eat in a in a daily diet right yeah and can you give us any suggestions for Sources for omega threes first, and then to the phospholipid uh, area.
1: Yeah. So, so, so um, the, the most common source of omega threes is is, is um, fatty fish, mm-hmm. but you do have plant sources. You know, so believe it or not, canola, um, your 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 cabbage, um, kale, they have you know um, omega threes. Your flux. you know, flax is a really um good source of Mm -hmm. omega-3s so you can you you can have those those types of um of foods Mm -hmm. to improve their omega-3s uh content um from a a plant source and so and also marine species like seaweeds they're also a good source of um Mm -hmm. you know what we call plant-based omega-3s um the plasmologens you know um we're seeing these in meat you know seafood so so things like your scallops um, tend to be high in um, in omega 3s And then uh, recently we found that servit servid meat is really high source of of um omega trees. So what kind of meat? What cervix? kind. For example, beer. So in, Newf- in, um, in uh, Missouri, you you know, deer hunting is a big thing. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so the deer meat, um, deer would be from the Cerberi family. Mm-hmm. So deer, you know, we're seeing that uh, moose, deer, um, caribou, they have really high sources of these plasmologens.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so this is, you know, uh, some other work that we have found um, from some of the work that we've done. Um, so mm-hmm. be, those will be natural sources. And then you could, you know, make those into um, food products uh, that, you know, you have to pay some attention to make sure that you don't degrade uh, these, um, you know, uh, functional lipids as you do your uh, food prep so that they're there when you consume the food, but, you know, you can get them from natural sources. And that's where um, a lot of the population now is, you know, there's a high interest in having natural sources of food um, because of, you know, there's several um, benefits to that. Mm -hmm.
0: Oh yeah, certainly. So so when we eat the foods uh, that have these lipids in them, uh, I learned late in my career that uh, our lymphatic system has something to do with the metabolism of the lipids is that correct
1: yeah it's so it's not only the lymphatic um, system but so lipids is really you know it, it's it's a unique molecule because it's a source of energy mm-hmm. and, and it's also a signal molecule and it's also a structural molecule so so it can turn on different pathways turn off different pathways mm. it's a source of energy and then you need to build these membranes, so it's as multifunction in your system. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 a very dynamic molecule in terms of uh, your metabolism and your physiology.
0: So the breakdown of the lipids happens not just by going into our small intestine and into the lymphatic system, but there are other ways that it gets. Uh, both uh, absorbed and then metabolized? Is there a particular organ that does that or? Uh...
1: Yeah, so so think for example, energy. So um, your mitochondria makes energy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, you know, powerhouse of the cell. Uh-huh. So a uh, perfect so- substrate is glucose, but it uses a lot of lipids to, to create energy so that those lipids get activated with acylcarnitine shuttle across the mitochondria, undergo beta oxidation to make ATP. Right. And then that ATP then becomes the source of energy that supplies, you know, the cell. And lipids, you know, is way more energy dense compared to, like, carbohydrates. So that's an, an example of a metabolic pathway and organelle that would then convert um, a lipid to ATP.
0: Mm-hmm. I think there is a little confusion, at least there was as I was in the teaching uh, process, when you look at cholesterol.
1: Yeah, it is considered a lipid, but you're you're right, it gets a bad rep. Um, But cholesterol is really, really important. Um, 20% of your membrane um, is cholesterol. Ah. Um, Yeah, and your brain um, uses a lot of cholesterol, also cholesterol esters, so you can have free cholesterol um, and then you can have cholesterol that's esterified with a fatty acid and these are really really important in terms of um, function the the problem is is that you have you know four different types of cholesterol Mm -hmm. and that's there and and the it's dependent on which type of cholesterol that you have um, because there's one one type of cholesterol that is more associated with with you know cardiovascular disease risk but it's a very, very important lipid molecule for your health and survival, brain health, membrane health. You know, so so it gets a lot of bad rap, but it's 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 not as bad as as um, <laughs> it's very essential in fact in your metabolism.
0: So, as an individual, each individual is looking, in a sense, for the balance yeah. point of uh, you know staying at, at the Goldilocks place with. Uh, with your cholesterol
1: yeah well the thing with cholesterol is is you know um you have to watch your diet and you have to watch your weight and you have to watch your fat intake because because um you know if you get that homeostasis out of you know out of synchrony that's when you have the um bad cholesterol at you know the the level of it is going to elevate us at the expense of the good cholesterol so you need that homeostasis so that you can keep them in balance. Once you get out of that balance, then that's when it becomes a problem.
0: A delicate balance for all of us. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Well, uh, when did you then move from, and you haven't really moved from lipids, but you added this uh, antioxidant area that uh, got you famous because of sauces. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yeah so so antioxidants has always been there because it's, you know when you think about lipids oxidation the double bonds that's there they're susceptible to oxidation one way we protect them is using antioxidants so antioxidants has always been there uh-huh. but um yeah in 2010 um I did a, a study looking at different types of marinades I know you you, you um prepare these marinades and how the antioxidants change with with PrEP. And um, it was a very simple study, but it was a very powerful study to show that these antioxidants, uh, when you have herbs and spice-based marinades, you know, so they're plant-based marinades with all these mixture of herbs and spices, they're loaded with antioxidants. Mm. And then dependent on how you um, prepare them, you can lose um, a lot of those antioxidants. So you can retain them dependent on the composition so we um you know i did a really simple but very elegant study showing um composition dependent on the the, the sources of ingredients that were in these different marinades and how they change as a function of meat marination and cooking mm-hmm. and um you know that paper went global like i think <laughs> almost every major um <laughs> it went global you know across several major newspapers radio tv and i think that was the first time you know people knew who i was and the mm-hmm. type of research that i was doing because that paper brought so much publicity to me as a as a scientist
0: yeah all i had to, blood. all i had to do was type in antioxidants raymond thomas and the first thing that came up was that 2010 and number of articles about yeah. about your research well if you don't mind i would like to insert uh, an article about you and your research from 2010 in uh, medicalexpress.com uh, the title spice up your health this barbecue season A new study at the University of Western Ontario finds the sauces you use when firing up the barbecue this summer may provide unforeseen health benefits. The research, led by Western Biology and Psychology postdoctoral fellow Raymond Thomas, shows common marinades may be more than just tasty sauces. They can also provide a major source of natural antioxidants. The paper was co-authored by Mark Bernards and Christopher Giuliano in Western's Department of Biology. Foods rich in antioxidants play an essential role in preventing cardiovascular diseases, cancers, neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, inflammation, and problems associated with cutaneous aging. Quote, herbs and spices are excellent sources of antioxidants but estimating consumption rates can be difficult considering they are not generally consumed in large quantities compared to fruits and vegetables says thomas instead they are used in relatively small amounts as ingredients in recipes and formulations such as spice mixes and marinating sauces that enhance food flavor end of quote diverse processing methods during manufacture, length of marinating time and exposure to various modes of cooking can significantly alter the antioxidant status of these products and consequently the amount of antioxidants available to consumers. Thomas was able to show for the first time the impact of marinating and cooking meat on the antioxidant status of seven different popular brands and flavors of marinade containing herbs and spices as primary ingredients. Each is readily available at local grocery stores and included jerk sauce, garlic and herb, honey garlic, roasted red pepper, lemon pepper garlic, sesame ginger teriyaki, and green seasoning. His research found very good quantities of antioxidants in all seven sauces, but that marinating meat prior to cooking reduced antioxidant levels by 45 to 70 percent. Both Grace Jerk Sauce and Rene's Sesame Ginger Teriyaki outperformed the other live sauces tested before and after cooking because they contain substantial quantities of ingredients like hot peppers, allspice, sesame, and ginger, all of which have high antioxidant properties. Despite the high percentage of antioxidant loss following marinating and cooking, the sauces still provide benefits over cooking meat without them. Quote, consumers can maximize their intake of the antioxidants available in these sauces by choosing those with the highest antioxidant levels prior to marinating and cooking, says Thomas. Alternately, you can brush the sauce on just before serving the meat or consume it without cooking, like as a salad dressing where it is permissible to do so." Quote. Published in the Journal of Food Consumption and Analysis, the findings are particularly relevant given concerns about the potential health risks and toxicity associated with the use of some synthetic antioxidants. This concern has resulted in an ongoing search for safe and inexpensive antioxidants of natural origins, including those found in herbs and spices. And uh, and you just took uh, products in a sense off the shelf, didn't you? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, sort of compared them in your elegant study and uh, found the best way, which ones were the better for this? and. And is that the way it worked?
1: Yeah I, yeah, I just bought a um, criteria was that they were they had to be herbs and spice based
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and so that was the selection um, criteria. So I look at the different composition I just bought them off the shelf, randomly different batches so that you know you get a good spread mm-hmm. and then I um, took them in the lab and analyzed them before any any um, work was done with them and then I used them for different, meat marination and then I look what happened to them, how they change after meat marination to see how much antioxidants was retained before and after cooking, um, you know, based on the composition. So, you know, kind of give consumer an idea of how much they were retaining, how much they were losing if they use these different types of sauces to prepare, um, prepare food. Mm -hmm. So it was really, you know, very practical based study Mm -hmm. that I think a lot of people in society had interest in because these are things that they do in your everyday life.
0: Right. So uh, let's say barbecue sauce. Is that one of those sauces or is that something different?
1: Well, well, I mean, there are some barbecue sauce that is herbs and spice based. So it's dependent, again, on the ingredients. So I look at what are the ingredients that is there if it's, you know. A criteria for me for these, because these antioxidants, they come from these plant-based ingredients Mm -hmm. that you put in. So an important consideration is what are the herbs and spices? What are the ingredients, plant-based ingredients that went in for the formulation? Mm -hmm. Because those are your sources. And then once you combine them with the processing, what are the synergistic effect of that, you know, Mm -hmm. the mass accumulation of those? And did did they change? Did they stay? during the preparation process to make marinade versus preparation
0: process to make a product. So let me just take a, a short break. And when we come back, we'll talk about ginger and some of the different herbal ingredients that might be better antioxidant sources. Greetings, friends, uh, again from Glocal uh, News and Social Artistry. Glad you're with us today. Uh, whether you're listening on your radio or through your computer or phone, because we do a stream uh, at KOPN.org. Or you might be uh, listening to the archive of the show, because we keep the archives right there uh, on the web page under program archives for two weeks uh, for every show. Or maybe you are listening to my archive Uh, podcast list at my show's uh, program page, Glocal News and Social Artistry, and you you see the last 25 shows uh, or listen to the last 25 uh, guests that I've had. And uh, if you want to go back further, uh, just contact me and I'll be happy to uh, give you the link to even four years ago. (laughs) So uh, glad you're with us. Uh, My guest today is Dr. Raymond Thomas, uh, professor uh, in plant science uh, up at Memorial University in Newfoundland, Canada. Uh, originally from Jamaica, uh, came through Lincoln University uh, back in the late 90s, and we uh, developed a, a relationship of uh, teacher-student, but you know, it, it seems to have gone beyond that. <laughs> now we're colleagues, uh, Dr. Thomas and Dr. Dalton, and uh, Dr. Thomas is doing actually great things in uh, research uh, from farm to health. I mean, you take it from the, the farm to the to the way it's uh, in a sense processed and then used uh, by the plant and all, all these things. It, it's amazing to, that you're a full, the whole picture you're a big picture man and yet you can zoom in on the the uh, in-depth membranes and uh, by the way when you were talking about membranes it reminded me of uh, dr bruce lipton a cell uh, biologist who uh, has become very popularized and his line is that the brain of the cell is the membrane (laughs) (laughs) that there, there, there's there's some
1: there's some value to that statement
0: mm-hmm. because yeah. it it seems to be what makes decisions as to what comes in and goes out and yeah. uh, the defenses and the, you know, it the membrane, whereas the nucleus is more like the library of resources that can be called on if needed. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mem- membrane is the gate, you know, um, the, the cell survival. You know, I it would perceive a stimulus and would it survive is remodeled to survive is directly dependent on how that lipid composition of that membrane is going to change to
0: accommodate um, survival or death. Wow. Yeah. We we don't consciously do we consciously have much to do with how that works. Um, I'm not sure I understand what you mean by conscious. Well, do we? Do we make decisions? Well, I guess there's a couple of angles. First of all, does our uh, mental state have anything to do with the health of the membrane?
1: Well, I think that I think the um, health of the particular brain membrane, determine your, your mental state. So as I mentioned to you, 60 percent of the lipids, I mean, of your brain is lipids. Mm-hmm. So your mood, your behavior you know uh mental health that's a function of the uh composition of your brain there is this huge correlation between your mental health status and your brain liquidome.
0: ah okay
1: yes and and that's one of the here that i you know i'm working in now is looking how we can improve brain health by having you know better brain fats mm-hmm. and also the you know um metabolism, you know brain lipid metabolism, so neurolipid metabolism, how that um play a role dependent on what you know um stressors you're exposed to
2: mm-hmm.
1: um you know also you know connecting the gut link, you know gut brain access in terms of better understanding the relationship with brain health
0: yeah, because the the gut has its own uh neurotransmitters that uh yeah. are released. Uh, and interact with the brain, neurotransmitters, and so on. Right? Yeah, there's
1: a there's a very complex communication going on. It's not really fully understood, but there is definitely some relationship. You know, there's some strong indicators that they do communicate with each other mm-hmm. to both positively and negatively influence uh, your brain health outcome.
0: I don't know if the scientific community talks this way, but I know that. A lot of us lay people talk uh, or hear talk about the gut brain and the heart brain and the skull brain as actually three different brains, and that they all, in this complex dance, <laughs> all work together to uh, bring about a an amazing effort to keep us healthy. <laughs> yeah.
1: But yeah, the gut-brain access is a big thing right now. There's a lot of scientists really, really fascinated by that mm-hmm. and trying to find what's going on between that nexus and how um, they are you know, interacting to you know, influence and affect more positively and negatively you know, your brain health outcome. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a huge area of active research right now.
0: All right. The brain-gut access. axis Axis, yeah yes so what's your what's your most uh what's your favorite area right now to focus on if you were if you were to
1: yeah so so my right now i'm um into functional foods and brain health Mm -hmm. um assessment so that that's a really fascinating thing for me right now is to look at um producing developing different functional foods and then validate the health benefits you know in different models of brain health and then really looking at some really using some really cool epidomics tool to interrogate them so some things like lipid imaging you know high high end you know um yeah <clears> high <throat> resolution accurate mass spectrometry to do it that's that's the thing that excites me right now and and you know it's really cool to produce the produce the products, mm-hmm. then assess them, you know, in different model system and see that they work and, you know, how they work, or you can improve them. So really, really cool stuff. And then you get to eat the research at the same time. You know? <laughs> it's a really, really nice area of the research. And then, you, you know, you can look into, for example, get into the complex neurochemistry of, you know, brain health um, on the back end of, of, of the, you um, that uh, practical applied side of the science. So,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, that's that's a very funny area for me right now.
0: Do uh, do companies uh, show an interest in what you're doing? Are they changing their uh, what they're growing? Uh, do farmers want to know and and have some uh, value-added crops of uh, functional foods? Uh,
1: you know. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of interest. So right now, I have an active research program over twenty million dollars, um, and I do have lots of industry um, partners that work with me um, in this research program um, because they do have an interest in, you know, producing, you know, um, better quality f- um, food, mm-hmm. um, improve personal and community health. Um, you know, there's always the economics, but there's also the um that civic side to um have you know better health outcome so i do have you know there's a big translation side of the research that i'm doing that includes industry we mm-hmm. still maintain the independence of the work
0: that i'm doing yeah does it matter if it's organic farming or if it's uh <laughs> non-organic did, did you get into that
1: i, I haven't gone in there too much. They have the pros on their their, their cons, um, you know. So I, I try to not get in too much into the, you know, those two systems because they're, they're, there's 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 some values and then there's some things that you know you have to look at. But um, I i I'm more focus on how you know if you're doing production in either of those systems, how can you optimize the um, production conditions in 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 any of those two systems so that you can produce a crop that is for example fortified with nutrients or functional ingredients how okay, can you make that crop better mm-hmm. so that's that's more how i focus on it and mm-hmm. then once you get that material how can i then take that material and make a superior product mm-hmm. that is it, it's 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 even you know better for 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 health you know mm-hmm. So, so, so that's where I I, I tend to focus on the mm-hmm. work rather than comparing the systems.
0: Got gotcha. mm-hmm. you. Yeah. So, ginger, ginger is a an herb, I guess, or spice. Uh, how you A tuber. A rhizome.
1: A rhizome. Rhizome.
0: And uh, that is a good source of antioxidants, is that That's correct? Correct. Yes.
1: Lots of gingerone, z- singerone,
0: Yes. And uh I is there a lot of ginger in Jamaica? Do they yes. use ginger a lot? Oh
1: yes. Oh yes. Um
0: so we have um, uh the Jamaica jerk hut here in uh, Jeff City in Columbia. Uh yeah. I, I don't know if you remember Rex Roy. Yes, uh, Rex Roy was my roommate. Oh my goodness.
1: Well here, I just Max was my roommate. I play soccer with Max Rye.
0: Well, I just shook hands with him at Earth Day in Columbia this last weekend uh, because yeah. he was at the Jerk Hut, uh, his mobile unit. Yes. And he's doing very well. Uh, I yes. don't know if you keep up with each other.
1: Yeah, uh, from time to time.
0: But the, uh, yeah. the, the marinade or the uh, sauces that he uses, I'm sure, must have some ginger in them
1: yes they have an allspice so allspice contains a it's mixture pimento. it's pimento so um but it it, it it they call it allspice because it it tastes like you combine several different spices together
0: hmm. okay. but it's an
1: active ingredient in jerk sauce yes and the pepper yeah
0: mm-hmm. and uh Let's see. I was just thinking of the another one. There's ginger and oh, ding ding. Give me some other uh, antioxidant spices. Uh.
1: Yeah. So, so you got turmeric. Um, turmeric. Okay. Uh, yeah, garlic. Garlic. Um, yeah. Uh, um, thyme, scallion, chives. Oh,
2: yes.
0: So thyme, T H Y M E time Yes, yeah uh-huh, time right, uh-huh.
1: yeah um, rosemary, uh, basil, tarragon. Yeah, those uh,
0: are oregano. Is it uh,
1: oregano? Yes.
0: Oregano, good, good. Yes.
1: Yeah, those are those are good sources of um antioxidants.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, we can uh, do we just look at the ingredient list on the bottle uh, or the container, is that where we're gonna see the list of those things? Yeah,
1: yeah. In the so they should list what type of ingredients is there and so the herbs and spice um, combination that those are very very important um, consideration because that's where your antioxidant source come from is those plant
0: based material. But usually they just say and spices. They don't
1: Yes they do that. Um, so how would those. we
0: how would we know?
1: Yeah, that's, that's, so, so, you know, I think it's based on the labeling requirement and also Mm -hmm. um, IP protection. They don't really want to disclose their recipe.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, so many times they just say that without going into the specifics of what's there. Um, Yeah. That's a very common um, thing that you see on on the labels for herbs and spices and marinades. Uh
0: So is there a, do you recommend any websites for people to go to to get guidance on this subject uh that's functional so, foods uh the uh, antioxidants
1: there's, there's a best food facts um website um that's a good one to look at best
0: and food facts facts
1: yes and mm-hmm. and and um and just go to pubmed pubmed is 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 is, is free and it is a free version and then you can do some searches there sometimes the articles are a little bit more dense but um the pubmed pubmed as a search yeah, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. the articles are a little bit more dense but um the quality of the data accuracy of the data is going to be a little bit better than you do a google because in google sometimes people just put stuff up there um you know Sometimes there's not a lot of scientific basis for it, Mm -hmm. but the best food facts is a good one. And PubMed, I think those are really good good sources that you could could, um, get some useful information from.
0: Thank you, Dr. Raymond Thomas, a graduate of Lincoln University and the University of Minnesota and uh, Western Ontario, and now doing research in uh, education up in Memorial University in Newfoundland, uh, a great, a great conversation. Uh, I, it was a little uh, scientific, but I loved every minute of it. And uh, great to see you again. Thank you so much. Hope to see you again.
1: Awesome, man. Thank you very much for the great uh, mentorship and tutoring during the early years of my career. You know, you're instrumental in part of this journey. You know, it was professors like you who um, inspired me to want to, you know, take a career in in academia. So it's good to come full circle (laughs) and it's good to see one of your products. So I want to say thanks for the great work. You know, I took four courses with you. They were excellent um, experience and they laid the foundation for what I decided to do as a career later in my life. So
0: thank you. Uh, My pleasure. Thank you, my friend. Uh, Take good care. And uh, friends, remember wherever you are, that is your world, please. Leave your world cleaner, more peaceful, and more loving than you found it. Because if it is to be, it is up to us. Take care. Talk to you soon. Okay, take care.